All right. Good morning, everyone. We're doing a little set change here. Today is a, a special Sunday. It's be, uh, become an annual tradition here at Harvest City Church that we take the last Sunday of the year to sort of look back and celebrate what God is doing in our church and through the lives of individuals within the church. There are so many things in our world that we can be discouraged by, and so it's always great to be encouraged and to hear stories of God's faithfulness and His goodness and His power. And you're going to hear some of those kinds of stories this morning, and I think you're going, in fact, I know you're going to leave here today encouraged. I hope that you will leave inspired by what God can do in your life and also in the lives of those that you're praying for, that seems like there's some impossible situations, that you'll leave today feeling like, you know what, if God could do that in their lives, He can do it in the lives of those that I'm praying for as well. And so today we're going to hear from five different individuals, three of the stories, three of the testimonies have been pre-recorded. And then at the end, I'm going to interview a couple guys uh, live here. That's what, the, what our set is for today, is I'm going to interview them live, and you're going to hear their stories as well. So the first story that we're, uh, that we're going to hear from today is from a woman named Dorothy, who's been a part of our church for a long time. And she's just going to share a short story of a financial breakthrough that occurred in her life this year as she made a decision to trust the Lord. And then the second testimony we're going to hear from is from a man named Zaid. Zaid is new to our church. He's come just since the summer. And he has an amazing story of how he's come to Christ in these last couple months. And I know that uh, his story is really going to bless you. So we're going to watch those two uh, on the video screen now. So my name is Dorothy Elotisessa. I've been in Harvest City for the past 14 years and 10 months. In 2013, I just started working and everything was going well. And then a close family member needed, needed money. It was desperate. And then I had a line of credit, which I wasn't using. So I decided, well, since this line of credit is there, I'm not using. I could help so I just gave it out to him. Since then the interest I had been doing the interest because I knew again I know it was invested in something else but I had been asking for this money from time to time. It was difficult but I was trusting God and praying about this loan because I kept asking. I kept asking but it wasn't coming. I expected the person to also understand the situation and also come and help but no matter how I persisted, it fell, it fell on deaf ears. I felt angry. There was the bitterness raging in me. And I'm like, why do good to somebody and then I have to pay this way? So it got to a point I decided to go to court with this. Because when I calculated the loan and there, it was a lot. It's a lot of money. But then I suggested to a few people I prayed with, and they're like, you've been praying about it. Why don't you trust God? God reminded me of his faithfulness in the past. Um, one thing he reminded me was, do you remember when you came to Canada? You came to do your master's on a scholarship. You didn't have to pay. So that was one thing I always kept in mind, that God who was faithful back then, He's still faithful now. I said, God, if you don't want me to go to court, you have to make a way. Within a space of two months, I get a call from a brother who is in Ontario who had never given me even a dollar before. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I've got this money. I sold some bonds, some shares of mine, and I've got all this money. Can you keep it for me till I need it? So he sent this money, and the money was more than the loan. There was extra left, and instead of just putting it, I said, no, I'd rather invest it to gain some dividends or interest. So now I don't have to pay interest. The loan is cleared from my line of credit, and rather any in, in income from that. It blows my mind till this day. And I, one thing I want to thank the church too for, for the finance class. The finance class I took, 
that helped a lot. It taught me how to budget and that has really helped me to this point. And through this time, I've been calculating how much I've saved in interest and you have no idea. It's just by God's grace and even the peace of mind that I have now. It's given me a sense of trust, more trust in God that, you know what, sometimes we seem to fight battles on our own. The God we serve is a faithful God. It's up to us to learn to rely on Him and trust Him. If we are to allow God to fight it, He does more than we expect. My name is Zaid. So I migrated to Canada in 2012. I originally came from a country called Bangladesh. I was born in there. And my family is mainly Muslims. As I grew up, I started asking more questions and questions because I wanted to understand who God is. My questions were answered with fear. I was always told that, do not ask this question because you're going to go to hell. Nothing got answered and I basically lost all hope and all faith in anything, basically. Growing up in a Muslim family, it was always like a hatred that got put in my mind that, hey, you, you cannot go out and hang out with your Christian friend who is celebrating Christmas. I had a Christian friend who is actually my best friend and I, I went out and celebrated Christmas with him and my dad was very mad at me, my family was mad at me and because of the, the pressure that I was getting from my family that I need to follow the Muslim way, I need to believe into things, I need to hate other religions other ways and call names and things and I just did not understand. My mother was very open-minded. Like her praying, the way she prays is not the same way a Muslim person would pray. That impacted me because that kind of gave me a way like, okay, maybe I can talk to God. She took me to churches. She took me to temples. She wanted me to experience how the world works, how everybody, other religions are. It opened my mind that, okay, there's more to it. Like I just need to find my path. I just don't know what it is. I gave myself into things that I am not proud of. I, the way I said, I sh shook hand with the enemy. I let myself believe in things that I, I shouldn't believe. I started saying things that I shouldn't be saying, and I let something in into me that I shouldn't have. It almost felt like that I sold my soul. That's how I felt. Those things really took me into drugs and alcohol and I thought that was my life I, I thought that is what it is this is what world is we come here we celebrate we enjoy we do this kind of stuff and we die and go away and that's it then my mother mother said that you know you, maybe you should after graduating high school maybe go to a different country like what would you like want to do and I said okay God I just don't know where I'm gonna go and I, just give me, show me, show me a path where I'm gonna go. That's all it is. There were challenges before to come to Canada because there's ways of proving that you can come to Canada and migrate in here. So I was able to overcome those challenges. Again, I was still struggling with everything else behind the scene. At the end of 2012, early 2013, finally got into Canada. My demons, they basically carried on with me. And the worst part was that alcohol was very open here. So for me to dive into it in a more extreme way was very easy. I was partying until 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I would end up waking up from... In the morning, I have no clue where I am. At the university, within the first year when I was in the university, I met this girl who is totally opposite than what I have been doing my entire life. To me, I feel God put her there saying, okay, she's going to be your your driver. She's going to drive you into where she, you need to go. Her and I got together. We become good friends. And a year later, we started dating each other. She could have turned around and said, hey, you know, you're Muslim. I'm, I'm Christian. We cannot go together. So let's take a separate path. We asked each other what is important to us. Even though my belief to God was very, it was diminishing, still I said that, you know, as long as you believe in God, I believe in God. I think that's what it is, because my perspective became like, you know, we're all human. Uh, we got married in 2019, and surprisingly, this was surprising to my entire family, because we got married the Christian way. And 
before our wedding, we sat down with the, with the pastor and he asked us, like, okay, so can I say the name of Jesus? That time, I said yes, thinking that I'm doing it for my wife because I want to support her, I want to, you know, like, provide her what she needs to have her faith strong. And on the day of the wedding, I did vow in the name of Jesus that I'm going to protect her, I'm going to be for her. And I said the word Jesus, my mother was standing, like it was, was, was sitting right there. So that was a bit of a shocker for her, but at the same time, because she has the open mind, she accepted how it was happening. But after that, my struggle got a little bit worse after our wedding. Like I still kind of had that alcohol in my, in my behavior, I guess. So we had to get rid of it. And she worked with me pretty closely. I tried to go to different churches with her and did not connect it very well. It did, never felt welcoming, never felt anything. She started watching church online. She would show me like, oh, you know what, this is, look at that, this is what I'm watching. And I think it was like an eleva elevation church or something. I, she showed it to me and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. The guy looks very energetic and he's it's almost like he's performing, but he's connecting people. I'm like, this is different. In my head, when I think about church, I always thought about like Catholic church, how, you know, like somewhere in a white robe and stuff. My in-laws, when we moved to the north side of the city, my in-laws are like, hey, like, why, like, if you guys want to go to church, like, we found a church here, like, very close to your house, like, it's called Harvest City, like, maybe you guys should check it out. And on the first day, when I came to church, my introduction was right at the entrance. Somebody actually opened the door and said, good morning. I walked in, there's three other people said good morning to me before I even entered the hall. And for the first time ever, entering a church, I did not felt like I was being judged. I went to the seat, I sat down, and as the worship started, started enjoying the music. Well, that's a good music. I love good music. That's pretty good. I started reading all the lyrics on the, on the screen, and then I could feel that in me flowing through. Something that I never felt when I went to a mosque and sat there for hours and hours. I never felt that. Listening to somebody in a mosque preaching, I never felt anything like this. And then, again, in my head I was like, I'm pretty sure pastor here in this church will be wearing a white robe and I'm going to have a cap. <laughs> and Pastor Joel goes up, I'm like, huh, he's just like a normal person, just like me. He has lots of energy and he's talking and I'm listening to him. On that day when he said, okay, everybody rise for praying, I, I rise. And I remember he was asking like, raise your hand if you want to be saved. And for some reason I felt this jolt in my body that raise your hand. I didn't, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I just stand there. The Sunday after that, I asked her, I'm like, hey, do you want to go to the church? And she looked at me, she's like, what, what is, what are you doing, what, what, what? I came in, the worship was going on, and again, I, I was feeling this pull in me. And I heard this three knocks. I heard the door knock, and like, I, I heard, can I, can I come in? And keep in mind, like, I was somebody who believed in something, and I heard those voices in the past. And those, those voice of our enemy is not as soft, as kind, as lovely. I've been trying to move on out of the dark side to the light for a very long time. I've been struggling, but again and again I was falling back. But I never accepted that the things that I did in the past was the sins that I shouldn't be committing. And I did commit those. That day, it was such, such a soft voice that said, can I come in? Without hesitation, I said, yes, you can. And I could see this door in my, in, my, in, my, in my head. I can see this door. It's opening and there's this bright light in front of me. And I heard, would you take me as your savior? I said, yes, I will take you as my savior. And then I heard, say the name Jesus. I said, Jesus, you, you are real. You are my savior. When I explained this story to my wife, she's like, do you know what just happened to you? This is, this is from Bible. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I have no clue. He showed me the Bible verse and 
I was like, wow. On that same day, I started hearing the voice of the enemy again. Out of nowhere, my mind, in, in, my, in my mind, I said, I banish you in the name of Jesus Christ. I said that three times and I just felt his peace and I can feel his presence around me. I can feel his Holy Spirit around me. So moving forward, I want to know who he is. I want to devote everything that I do surrounding him. I'm also a musician. I realized that that's, that's a gift from God and I promised myself that I'm going to devote my music to God. My mind went, okay, how can I con contribute? My gift is that I'm an artist. So that is my gift, but how can I contribute? And I'm so glad that Andrew said that you can be on the, on the sound, on the production, you can have that. And right away I said yes, because it felt like God is telling me, yeah, that's where you're needed. For me to see behind the scene how church works, that, that really opened up my eyes that, you know, this is not a job. This is not a task. We all are doing God's work. Even if we're just pressing a button, we're doing God's work because we're, in, we're, we're taking God's word to everybody. All this thing was God's plan. He was there. Like when I think about it, coming to Canada, the, the obstacle that was there, it overcame because of Him. It just feels God is just driving me now. He, the only, only thing that it took to happen was me to open the door and let Him in. The door that I had to shut down for years. Like, if you would have told me that this is gonna be my future, based on what, where I was, who I was, what I was doing, yeah, I would say no. <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here but God is great and I have surrendered myself to Jesus and I have accepted accepted him. That's that's who I am right now. Is that what you're expecting, Zade? Something like that? <clears throat> I think I could be the Pope. <laughs> Wasn't that a powerful story? Love that. So excited, Zade, by what God is doing in your life. A lot of tears listening to that. Well, our next uh, story is also very powerful. Uh, this is a testimony from Nolan. Nolan and his family have been in our church for a long time. But uh, Nolan uh, has, has struggled with, with addictions for a long time, and I think he would say that they've held him back from truly being all that God has called him to be. In October of 2022, Nolan hit a real low point in his life. But it was a time when God sovereignly met him. And this past year has just been a year of incredible breakthrough in his life and in, in his family. And so Nolan tells his story with real vulnerability here. And uh, I know you're going to be blessed by it. How's everybody doing? My name is Nolan Malbuff and I'm from Boval, Saskatchewan. I guess my story has to do a lot with being Métis and that experience. I come from a family line that has experienced residential school. I come from a community that uh, is very common to uh, drink and do drugs. Um, and I grew up in that setting. When I was about 18 years old, I, I was kind of getting in trouble with the law. And what happened was I, I decided to go to church. My parents had a church back then, 
I, I felt like uh, feverishly in love with Jesus. I became a youth leader in the church. Then I met my wife, my future wife, Natalie. And about a year or two into our relationship, some old kind of ties that I had uh, resurfaced. I thought when I went to church that I was a new creation. All things are passed away, all things are new. And so that meant that there was this big magic rug that I could shove all my crap under and just be done with it and walk away and live this new life. All the while I didn't realize that I had not dealt with anything. And so an incident happened. I realized that my past wasn't gone, that it was still alive and well, maybe just dormant for a while. And when I came to that realization, it rocked me. I had been sober for three years. I was a youth leader in the church. And then in one afternoon, it crumbled. Fell off the wagon, started drinking, making tons of terrible decisions that kind of sent me off the cliff. And for about 20 years, I was in this like torrent in a family setting with my children, with my wife, the closest I could probably um, compare it to would be like a, a living hell. I would disappear. I would... Broken promises. Lies. I missed Christmas. You know? Uh, that whole time I was like so stuck on the idea that it was all about me. I left my whole life for you. You should treat me this way. And if you don't treat me this way, then I would reprimand my own wife and kids by taking off. And so that was uh, a long road, very long and painful road. Imagine you do something so bad. You, you, the emotions attached with that shame, guilt, regret, resentment brings you to a place where you say, I will never, ever, ever do that again. And then the next opportunity you get, you do it again. And then you swear on your life, you swear on your mother, you swear on everything holy. You swear to God, you'll never do it again. And then you do it again. Imagine the hopelessness and despair of that. The reality of the emotions that you're causing your own children to feel, your wife to feel. It culminates into this hopelessness. I've always said it's like digging a hole and every time you swear, you'll never do it again. You dig the hole a little deeper. Before you know it, you can't even see the edge. You can't see the light, you can't see the sun. I had enough. I couldn't stomach hurting everybody around me. My wife, my kids, my parents, everybody. I went to Meadow Lake. I was living on my sister's front lawn in a, a trailer. And for 10 days, I was just in a cocoon of pain. Couldn't look at pictures of my kids. Couldn't talk to my parents. Nothing. And then one morning, I woke up and I heard this voice in my head say, Get up. Get up! Your emotions are not your wife and kids' responsibility. Get up! I knew that it was something tangible. I knew that it was, in a way, what I needed to hear. I got up, dumped all my stuff, went straight to my parents' house. My mom's there. My son, she said, a righteous man falls seven times. The Lord raises him up again. And I just like, that's where the sobbing began again, you know. When I came back, I had this sense that there was something proactive happening inside of me where I needed to seek out why this was happening. So I came here to Harvest City and I connected with Deb. She uh, attempted to talk about my past. And so when that happened, man, my walls came up. And I had, in that moment, realized how off limits that was. I had not known 
See, when you come from a, a, an indigenous family line, you're well acquainted with tragedy. You're well acquainted with pain. You're well acquainted with being left out, abandoned. You're well acquainted with all this stuff. So what do you do? You get tough. And it's that toughness that you use to desensitize yourself that made me blind. I was seeing through these lenses that my experiences carved out for me. But when the Lord met me and healed me, those glasses started coming down that I could see him. Then he taught me, I'm gentle, I'm kind, I, I love you, I love you so much. To me, it's like God is a dad. And I'm a dad, and if I see my kids hurt, I want to do everything in my power to help them. And that's what he did to me, that's what he showed me. So the last year, um, I've had to just deal with some stuff. One of the biggest things that I was experiencing my whole life was fear. There was a night I was really struggling. I was at home, it was about midnight, I was drawing, and all of a sudden this intense feeling of fear and alarm came on me. I couldn't shake it. No matter what I did, I couldn't shake it. Thankfully, the next day I met with Deb, walked into her office, stormed in. Man, this is the night I had. What's wrong with me? This is too much for me. I was upset. I told her what happened and she said, sounds to me like you have a control issue. I'm like, what the? What kind of mumbo jumbo crap is this? Then she prayed. Then she said, think. And then I saw things that I hadn't saw in a long time. So I developed this thing where if I could control all the environment then I, I won't get hurt. Something powerful happened. This last year, um, <laughs> I think the easiest way to sum it up is there's life in our home. My wife laughs at me again, you know. It used to be quiet. You could hear a pin drop all day. Doors shut. We laugh, we sit, we play. My two oldest daughters came up to me just two separate times and said, Daddy, I forgive you. <laughs> my business is thriving. My heart is full. Close with my parents. Chasing Jesus. Oh, if there's something that I could say to anybody who is feeling hopeless, I would say read John 5. Jesus sees a blind man, heals him. Blind man looks around, doesn't know who healed him. He said, the man you call Jesus healed me. Later in that story, Jesus goes and finds this guy. And he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, well, if I knew who he was, I would. He said, the man you see before you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe. The man you call. You can tell me who Jesus is. You can tell me what he's like. You, should, you could even tell me what I should believe about him. But until I encounter him, until he comes and heals me, takes those blinders down, and shows me who he is, that changes everything. Powerful. <clears throat> Nolan, you have such a gift to communicate, tell your story. God's really going to use you. Well, 10 after 10. We're going to be a little bit longer today, but uh, we have two guys that I want to introduce you to. You know, for the last number of years, we've had many people from our church that have faithfully gone to the prison to do Bible studies and reach out to inmates and have just sown a lot of seeds, different, different men from our church. And one of the things that I feel is happening this last year is that all the seeds that have been sown in years past, it feels like this is a time where there's a harvest that's really begun to be reaped. And, uh, you know, every week we 
for this last year, it seems that we have a couple rows of people attending our church, men and women who are coming to church, who are experiencing the power and love of God. And uh, there's, a, there's a man uh, named Adam, many of you would know who he is, who God has really done an amazing work in, in Adam. Uh, and Adam has been using the church van to drive around in the city and load it up and bring some of his friends to church. And, and he's been a real catalyst for people coming to Christ. And the two guys that I'm going to interview today ha- are, are a part of a, of a program called the uh, Drug Treatment Court. And it was there that they met Adam, and uh, he invited them out to our church. And both of them have come to Christ in this last year. And I had the privilege of just sitting down and talking with both of them a few weeks ago. And I said, I, I want to interview you guys live and, and just share your story with the church. So I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Corey and Larry if they would just come and uh, join me on the stage. Let's welcome them. <clears throat> Come on up, you guys. Have a seat. Uh, just uh, push the button there. Make sure the light is on. And we'll know that your mic is turned on. That's the one. Are we good? We're good. Oh, this table's pretty high for a little guy. <laughs> there we go. So this is Corey, and this is Larry. In my phone, I have you as Big Larry. <laughs> Big Larry. I'll take it. Big and scary. Big and, no. So Larry, uh, just tell us a little bit, what is the drug treatment court? Because I didn't even know what this was until I met you guys. Um, DTC is a program that's uh, based on rehabilitation rather than, <clears throat> excuse me, than incarceration. Um, they take people who have been having issues related to their drug addiction that have re- led to criminality, and um, they focus on the, not only the the addiction but the factors and uh, your life choices and issues that have led up to it, and they try to address that as a whole. Uh, it's, it's changed a lot of our lives. Okay, so it's, it's been a great program. I think Regina is the only place in our province that offers the program. Is that true? Um, I'm not sure, but I, I, I think there's some, some more that are opening up or they already have. I'm not absolutely certain where they are. So basically the idea is if you'll join the program, follow the rules, uh, the idea is to help help you with your addiction and also as a result maybe save you from some time in prison is is that sort of the gist of it yeah for sure yeah they uh they they basically well in in my case it was i had a lot of uh underlying underlying character defects that i was unaware of and uh pushed under the rug for a number of years and uh they kind of dug those out and made me face them head on and in doing that, uh, the addiction kind of slowly went away and the urge to use drugs did as well. Okay. So what I want to just do is just ask you guys to tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and uh, what ultimately led you into drug addiction, which led you into the, the prison system. So maybe, Corey, why don't we start with you and you tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Corey Dancer. I'm 33 years old. Um, I was born in Saskatoon and raised in Lloydminster. I had a, I had a great childhood growing up besides, you know, my, my parents splitting up when I was three years old. I still had a good relationship with my father. I, my family didn't struggle with addiction and I wasn't raised in an abusive home. But uh, my problem was that I didn't listen to my parents and or anyone for that matter. And uh, I chose to hang around the party crowd because I thought that was the cool thing to do. Um, you know, I'd never really grow out of this phase. And uh, so when I became a father, I, I became a father at the age of 18. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, becoming a father was uh, the best thing that had ever happened to me. Um, I, I was no angel up to this point in my life. I was still drinking and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, but becoming a father gave me a new sense of purpose, and I had found something I was good at besides being a brat and getting in trouble. 
when my son was 16 months old, me and my baby mama went our separate ways, and uh, my grandma had moved in to help me take care of him while I was at work. So I decided it was best that me, Tyson, and my grandma move with my dad to Moose Jaw so I could go back to school, get an ed education, build a future for me and my son. It was the first day of classes. I woke up. I went to wake my son up to get ready for the day, and I noticed him laying face down in his crib with his hands by his side. Right, right then I knew something wasn't right. You know, I picked up my son. He was cold, and his lips were blue. And... Uh, you know, that was, uh, my son died from past acting pneumonia, I'd later find out. But the day my son died, a, a big part of me died with him. And I, I wasn't much a believer to this point. I didn't know what to believe in. But I, I figured this was God's fault, and I resented God from this time in my life. This is when my life would spiral out of control, and I resorted back to drinking heavy. I drank heavy for years until that no longer did it. And then I resorted to using hard drugs, graduating from one hard drug to the next hard drug to the next hard drug, until inevitably I'd burnt all my bridges and I found myself homeless on the streets of Saskatoon with nothing but the clothes on my back. Um, this is uh, one thing I hear lots is this rock bottom about addiction. One thing I've learned from experience is there is no rock bottom to addiction. The only rock bottom is six feet in the grave. Now that I was on the streets of Saskatoon, I started using needles. Um, this is I, I, this is the point in my life where I had given up, and this this was what I was meant to be. I was meant to be a miserable addict. I lived on the streets for two years. I was panhandling, sleeping under the stairs in hotels, making makeshift beds wherever I could, uh, stealing, digging in garbage cans for food, and this went on for two years, and I was getting exhausted and. You know, I knew, I knew my crimes were going to catch up to me inevitably, but I became okay with that because I knew at least if I went to jail, I'd be fed and I'd have a place to sleep. So one night, I, uh, I ended up getting arrested uh, during a uh, break and enter and uh, was subsequently charged with 23 more. Uh, I, got, I was sentenced three years in which I did two of, and I figured, you know, I've been clean for two years now, I'm good to go. I got released from the halfway house here in Regina. And as soon as I got money in my pocket, I was back on the street using fentanyl, back to my old ways. A month after I got released, I was back in jail on another break and enter. And I was withdrawing off of fentanyl. And I just, you know, I was out for a month and I just did two years and I... I was tired of it. I'm not going to live in jail, and I'm not going to live on the streets. I made a decision that day to take my own life. I was, uh, I was found on the unit in the shower, unconscious. I was rushed to the hospital. And, you know, I was like, man, I couldn't even die if I want to. And uh, so two weeks later, I found out, you know, I, I wasn't, in fact, going to the pen. I was, uh, was going to get the opportunity to be in a, in a treatment program and better my life. So... Okay, we'll get back to, to your story in a sec. Corey, tell us a little bit about your background, Larry. Um, my name is Larry Olson. I'm 44 years old. Um, my story is similar to Corey's, but I mean, I guess kind of different. I didn't experience the hardships that he did, um, but uh, I grew up in a, in a good home as well. Uh, I had no excuse for my behavior. I was a star athlete. I was uh, being looked at for athletic scholarships. Uh, but I grew up with, we didn't have much money in my home. Uh, there's lots of kids. My dad supplied the income for everybody. And uh, I started hanging around with the wrong crowd, uh, selling weed at first, doing stuff like that, just to try and make ends meet, have money. And, and I lost focus on athletics and, and my education. So I dropped out of school in grade 12. Um, Kind of, you know, just started partying and stuff like that. But then uh, my daughter was born when I was uh, 27 years old. Um, uh, at that point, I decided I, I needed to change my life. Uh, my best friend is in the crowd here. He uh, introduced me to the auto body trade. Um, so, uh, you, you know, gave me the opportunity to earn money in a good way. So, I, you know, I lived a, lived a good life for a while. And then uh, the addiction crept back in. 
primarily with alcohol, then it went, it's like Corey said, it's, it progresses. So it went from that to cocaine to, you know, when, when I started spiraling out of control, my child's mom, uh, we separated. She wouldn't allow me to see my daughter after a period of time, and I can't say I blame her. Uh, but, um, you know, the drug addiction, it, it really dug its claws into me. So I did my, my first stint in jail when I was 39. Uh, I flew under the radar for a long time, thought I was smarter than the police. I found out pretty quick that I wasn't. <laughs> Um, that's sort of the arrogance of addiction kind of creeps in there. But I, uh, after I, I, I went to jail there for 11 months and I, I, I kicked cocaine and unfortunately, uh, as well as Corey, I found fentanyl, um, in order to support a $500 a day drug habit, you have to sell a lot of drugs. So unfortunately, uh, that's the reason why I didn't experience the hardship Corey did. Uh, I was poisoning my community, uh, not proud of it at all, uh, but at the time I didn't look at what I was doing as wrong, uh, and I I was baptized, I, you know, I am a Christian, and uh, I just, I fell away from God because I felt guilty. Uh, I had periods of time as well where I was trying to die, I tried to overdose, my tolerance was so high that I couldn't. and. Uh, it came to the point where I got arrested in a large-scale uh, drug trafficking operation. Um, I went to jail. The people that were my friends uh, jumped me in jail, stabbed me eight times, tried to kill me uh, because I wasn't putting enough money in their accounts. I found out pretty quick that these people aren't your friends. And uh, the pastor came in, I was, I was nearly dead, and uh, he came and he saw me and he couldn't recognize me, Dave Nelson his name is. And uh, Dave prayed for me. That day I was plotting revenge against the people that did that to me. And uh, my mother, I found out that day was really sick, uh, with COPD, and uh, Dave prayed for me and then after he did that he gave me a, a wooden cross and I thought, you know what, what I'm doing right now, this isn't gonna work. So there I made the choice that my mother wasn't going to die with her son being a drug dealing junkie and uh, I wasn't going to plot revenge on the people that, that did that to me because I needed to change my life. And I, uh, the next day my mom was released from the hospital after Dave prayed for her. Um, I couldn't explain it and, and my lawyer called me at 9.40 that night because I wasn't going to be admitted to drug treatment court because I got caught twice for drug trafficking. And 9.40 at night a legal aid lawyer called me, that doesn't happen. And uh, said, yeah, we're going to allow you into the drug treatment court program so this is your only chance to change your life, you better make the best of it. Okay. So Corey, getting back to your story, you, you've reached the bottom, you've tried to take your own life. Take us from that point to how you ended up in Harvest City Church. Yeah, so it, it almost took me losing my program to uh, realize I was still missing something in my life, right? And uh, this is where my good friend Adam Snell comes into the picture. Uh, me and Adam have a history. I used to work for Adam in Lloydminster 10 years ago. Uh, for his landscaping company. Fast forward 10 years, we're in the same city in the same treatment program. You know, imagine that. Um, so anyways, I've I seen the transformation in Adam's life, right, that, that his faith has, has done for him, and it's, it's, you know, it's hard not to notice. And uh, so I, you know, I asked Adam, I almost felt like I begged Adam, you know, Adam, bring me to church. I'm sure I just asked him, but I felt like I was begging. And if anyone knows Adam, it doesn't take much convincing Adam to bring you to church. So, so, so he brought me to church that Sunday, and, and uh, you know, just like much like Zaid, like as soon as I walked through those doors, I felt welcome here, right? You know, uh, people are super friendly. Uh, the, uh, people weren't afraid to approach me and come ask me what my name was or, you know, uh, ask to say a prayer for me. And I'm not, I'm not used to that. I'm used to being avoided at all costs, right? So I, <clears throat> I came into service that Sunday, 
uh, with a void in my life, and I've had this void since my son passed away, right? And to me, a void, this void is a tangible organ in our body. I, I compare it to an empty stomach. And, uh, you know, I came into to service that Sunday, uh, Sunday and uh, same thing. Uh, I, I came up to the, to the stage at the end of service, and I, I got on my knees, and I started crying like a little baby, right? And, and I asked God in my life, and then, you know, from that moment, I literally felt a whole, you know, well, weight being lifted off my shoulders. And when I left service that Sunday, I felt, I felt like a whole person again, you know, for the first time in my life. So, so uh, yeah, and it's just, I, it's just such a great place, and uh, you know, you feel, I feel like I belong to this place, and it's an amazing place, and uh, that's what just keeps me coming back to Harvest City. Awesome. Larry, what about you? you? You find out that your mom has been released. You've got admitted to this drug court uh, program, which was a miracle in itself. Take us from there to how you ended up in, in Harvest City and what God's been doing in your life. Well, Adam was a catalyst there, too. Um, yeah, I, I, when I first went to drug court, I thought Adam was one of the counselors. <laughs> he he was he was so welcoming and trying to make me fit in and be comfortable, you know. And Adam's a great guy. So uh, after you know seeing the same thing as Corey, I saw the transformation and the shift and what it was doing for Adam. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe it's time that I I go back to my faith because uh, God forgives me for what I did, and uh, I need to start working on forgiving myself. And um, so. Adam brought me, uh, at, at the time I had no way to get here, so the church van was coming and picking a bunch of us up, and um, so my life's changed in so many ways. I mean, even to, we, my roommate and I were looking for houses, and we couldn't get into a place because we were being judged, two big guys covered in tattoos. Uh, if you Google my name, it's not good, you know. <laughs> Uh, some of the things you Google aren't accurate, just so you know. Uh, um, but uh, either way, it was difficult. The housing market is very hard right now to get into a nice place. We didn't want to live in the, in a bad neighborhood. And the gentleman who we came to, the, the house we live in now, it's a beautiful place. And the, the man asked us what we do. And we said, we go to the gym. And I'm in this program. And we go to church. And he goes, oh, you go to church. And said, yeah, and so he called my church references, uh, Doug Kahn, he called him, and uh, just hearing that we were church-going men was the reason we got into that house. And, uh, you know, no judgment, he's been, been great with us, and just uh, all sorts of stuff. I, I can't even begin to explain the, the benefits. The, the, I, the same as Corey, I feel so welcome here, people, don't judge us. We're welcome with open arms by you, your family, everyone else here. It's great. It's it's been life changing for me. And you've gotten a, a job. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, I I've, I've been paying taxes for the first time in seven years. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Larry Olson, the taxpayer. That's my new new title. So how are you able to get a job with your past, Larry? Uh, honestly, the, part of the church was part of that, too. Uh, I, I went and I just was honest in my interview. I have a good resume, thankfully, because of the skills my roommate allowed me to gain under working for him. But um, the, the, the resume wasn't going to be enough with what they find on Google. So I had three interviews. The second one, they came, when I came in, they said, you know what, I'm glad that you mentioned you had a past, because if you didn't say that, there wouldn't be a second interview. Uh, I was volunteering at Break Free Ministries that day, and they called me for a third interview. And uh, I was volunteering some hours there, and uh, Ron Klein said, "No, we're gonna we're gonna bring you." And he goes, "I've I dealt with general sandblasting because I worked at the Upgrader." So Ron Klein came in with me, and uh, he told the the president of the company, he said, "Larry lives a block away from me, and if I went on holidays, I'd trust him to check on my house." So that's that's how I feel about Larry. So. Ron coming in there combined with just being honest and, uh, and straightforward about my past and where I am now, that's the reason why I got the job. And I've got a, a good full-time job that pays well and I can take care of myself. Awesome. Last, uh, last question. Tell us a little bit about how, what, what has been the result in your relationships and your family as a, as a result of what God's been doing in your life this, this last year and, 
And even as you look to the future, what, what, what do you feel God's saying to you about, about your call? What's God calling you guys to do? Well, first off, my family doesn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, I don't know, I guess it just shows and, and uh, I'm not too sure what my call is yet. Like, I'm, I'm new to my spiritual journey, right? And I got lots to learn. And, and that's why I come to Bible study and, and do the things I've been doing, right? Is because, you know, I think it's more than just going to church on Sunday. I, you know, I got to learn. There's a lot to learn. And I, I got to build that relationship with God, right? So I'm, I'm new onto this journey. But, uh, you know, my, my first uh, intuition when I graduated the program was to go work the rigs and make big money, right? And, uh, you know, Adam's got big plans here in the future. And, <laughs> I, I pray that uh, everything goes well, and he says, you're not going anywhere, you're going to be a counselor for me. So, <laughs> so you know, there's, I got a lot to think about, and, you know, like, uh, I got lots of time to think about it, but my job isn't to go out and save people, right? That's, that's God's job, and, and I'm just here, I'm just going to, you know, lead by example to those around me, and uh, hope they see what's going on in my life, right? And, and, and that's when they'll ask, well, what, what are you doing? What's working for you? And that's when I'll reach my hand out and, you know, tell them what's working for me. And if that could get them through the door of a, of a treatment program or through the door of the church, and, and, you know, I'm just hoping that maybe, you know, their lives can be better as well. So, Awesome. What about you, Larry? Um, I don't know, the same as Corey, I think the, the best thing we can do is just to, to uh, go down the right path and continue to do what we're doing. And people from the past that in the life that we used to live, uh, you can talk till you're blue in the face and it doesn't really matter. It's, if they see the change, they, I mean, there's a lot of hopelessness in that life. And um, if they can see somebody like us that turned our life around, and that the Lord has been a part of that. It's a catalyst that's going to bring them through the doors. If it doesn't bring them through the doors, it might, it'll inspire interest at the very least. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know lots of, lots, I have a few friends here. I'm not sure where they are, but I know they're here because they said they were coming mm -hmm. uh, that haven't been to church and they, they're at a, at a kind of a dark place in their life. But I'm going to, I'm certain that being here is going to be part of uh, their journey that may help them turn it around. Awesome. Well, Corey and Larry, I, I thank you so much for being willing to be vulnerable and, and tell us your story, and uh, I think it's helpful just uh, for us to, to know a little bit of your journey, and you guys are always welcome here, and your friends you. are always welcome here. Thank you. We feel that for sure. I want to pray for you guys. Can I do that? Yes, sir. You can stay seated. I'm going to come behind you. Why don't you stand to your feet with me and let's, uh, let's stretch our hands out towards these guys. Lord, I thank you for Larry and I thank you for Corey. I thank you for how you're saving them, how you're transforming their lives. God, I thank you that at their lowest place, they found you. Lord, I thank you that no matter how far we run, how deep we dig a hole, you can always find us. David said, even if I go to dig a hole or make my grave in shield, you're there. Even if I go to the ends of the sea, you're there. God, you are the hound of heaven. You search for us and you dig for us and you, and you, you look for us and you find us. And you found these, these guys. And Lord, we just pray for them today that you would give them strength, Lord, uh, grace to continue down the path that they've started down. God, I pray that the chains of addiction would break off of them completely. I pray they would never return to it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that all desire for it would go in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray that the fire of God that's inside of them would grow stronger and stronger and stronger. God, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? God, would the power of your Holy Spirit come upon them in such a way, O oh God, that 
the transformation you've started, Lord, would just continue at an amazing rate, that people would look at them and see what God has done. And Lord, that their lives would become messages of your faithfulness, of your power. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a Savior you are. And God, we just pray today that your plans for their life would be accomplished. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. But you came that they might have life and have it to the full. And so, God, we just cancel all the plans of the enemy, all the assignments of the enemy over their lives today in Jesus' name. And we just declare that God's plans, God's purposes will be fulfilled. Lord, you have plans to prosper them, to give them a future and a hope. And God, I pray that even this day, oh God, that they would know and be even more convinced that God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. And Lord, I pray for their friends today. I pray for those that you brought into this church today. Lord, there's others that have similar stories, and I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for those that are uh, on that journey, that are hearing their stories today. God, would you save them? Lord, would you restore them? Would you give them hope today? In the mighty name of Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're here today and you, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you've heard their testimonies of how Jesus has saved their life, and whether you understand it all or not, if the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you today that it's time to surrender your life to Jesus, that it's time to wave the white flag and let Jesus be the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning. You know, it doesn't matter how good you think you are or how bad you are we all need a savior there's none of us who are good the bible says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of god but when we couldn't save ourselves jesus came to die in our place he came to take our punishment to take our shame to take our wretchedness upon himself he experienced the wrath of god when he hung on the cross and there he he gave us the opportunity for a great exchange to receive His righteousness in exchange for our sin. And we can receive it simply by faith, simply by confessing our need for a Savior and placing our faith in what Jesus has done. And so I'm going to end the service today by praying a prayer of salvation. And so would you just bow your heads with me uh, as I pray today. And I'm going to ask the question I ask very often in this church on a Sunday morning. Is there anybody here who needs to make Jesus their Savior? If that's you, would you just raise Raise your hand where I can see it. I want to pray for you today. I see some hands here raised. Is there, is there anybody else? Yeah, we've got hands raised all over the room this morning. You can place your hands down and we're just going to pray. You make my prayer your prayer. Jesus sees the hearts. He sees the sincerity. And in the moment that we, that we, that we come sincerely before God, He saves us. Make this your prayer. Jesus, I come before you today recognizing that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. But I thank you that when I could not save myself, you came. And you died on a cross for me. And you took my shame and punishment upon yourself and gave me your righteousness. And today I choose to receive it. Today I choose to make you my Savior, to make you my Lord. I confess that I need you. I confess that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And today I I bow my knee before you and say, Jesus, be the boss. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Change me. Cleanse me. Wash me from the inside out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, if you prayed this morning with me, uh, we have a, a little... Bible we want to give you. It's called the New Believers Bible. It's just a a New Testament. Inside it, there's a little booklet that says, Now What? A guidebook for new Christians. And uh, if you just stop by the window as you leave and say, I prayed with the pastor, we'd love to give you this Bible free of charge. Are you blessed, church? That was a great Sunday. Good job, guys. I don't think this will be the last time you'll be on a stage. Help us stack the chairs before you leave this morning. Happy New Year, everyone. God bless you. Well done.
Well, that brings us to the end of our time together. We hope that you found insight and had moments that spoke to you right where you needed it. Before you go, share the love and post this inspiring video to your page. Who knows how many lives could be impacted by it. And if you aren't already, like, follow, and turn on your social media notifications to keep up to date on all the exciting things happening at our church. Here at Harvest City, we're all about connecting with our community and celebrating those big moments. Like if you've recently decided to fully dedicate your life to Jesus, we'll be your cheerleaders and help you take those first steps. And if you're going through a tough season, let us know how we can help you. Plus, we've got tons of programs for kids, youth, and adults if you're looking for a new community to be part of. To send us a message or check out more about HCC, head over to our website, harvestcity.ca. To all of our financial partners, thank you for investing into the kingdom of God. Your generosity allows us to keep doing what we're called to do and reach even more people. If you're interested in contributing, please visit harvestcity.ca slash giving for more info. Thanks for being here. Keep living your call and we'll catch you again soon.